What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host of Seeking Access Podcast. Man, so today I am recording in an Airbnb in Dayton, Ohio. And so conditions are not great. It's a little echoey in here. Uh, it's a little loud between the heat and uh, just house noises and things like that. And so it's not, it's not stellar. So I'm going to keep this one a little short, and then I'm going to come at you live again. Uh, later this week and we'll have another episode next week and uh, we'll begin after it with some great content. My other massive setback today is that I forgot my notebook in which I wrote out like my next 10 podcasts. So like two weeks ago on a flight, I was crushing it. I was just writing out a bunch of podcasts and I was really thrilled. I was like, man, I'm so ahead. You know, like I can't wait to just be able to sit down and like record. And today's one of those days, like today's one of those days where I'm not super inspired, haven't had coffee yet. Something like a strange place, I haven't gone out to, to breakfast and anything yet. So uh, it's it's not stellar conditions. But I was trying to think, you know, I'm like, what should I talk about? We got some great, you know, if you follow me on social media, you know, I've been talking a lot about money recently. And so I've got like three podcasts written about, uh, you know, financial excellence and stuff like that. And so going to be talking about that coming up a decent bit. But I was thinking, you know, along the lines of that, I've been kind of talking about this in my writing and I'm writing blogs on the financial excellence stuff as well to come out with that. So be sure you're signed up for our newsletter and following us on social media and things like that. So you don't miss those things. Um, so you can kind of get double tapped with the, both the audio and the reading. Um, but one thing that I was kind of learning as I was just reflecting on it and writing a little bit yesterday on the flight out here to Cincinnati from Denver was thinking about, there's so many great analogies that come with money and your time, Right. And so, you know, like the same way that you can do like three things with money, you can also do three things with your time, right? You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. And so today I was thinking about talking just a little bit, a little quick message on investing in yourself. And I think that amongst uh, Christians in general, but especially I think amongst Catholics, we can view that as a kind of selfish, like worldly, like self-help kind of like protestant at times, you know, uh, say, right? Like to invest in yourself, love yourself, self-care. But I think it's important to recognize that investing in yourself is not equivalent to self-care. Self-care is horseshit um, for the most part, right? Obviously, you need to take care of yourself. But I think this is the distinction between like good, like I'm talking about like good is in like the good, right? Like virtuous, holy, excellent, good, uh, like good self-care versus like worthless, worldly self-care. When people talk typically about self-care, they talk about, you know, I, I think my like caricature of it, obviously it's exaggerated, but if you watch Parks and Rec, and if you don't, you're a weirdo, but if you've watched Parks and Rec, uh, you know, they have like the treat yourself day, right? Um, Tom Haverford and I can't remember the girl's name right now, uh, but they like these two characters on the show, they, they basically have like one day a year where they just they it's really funny, but they're just like treat yourself and they just buy themselves like expensive stuff and like ball out and just like pamper themselves all day. And I think that's what typically people think about when you think about self-care. It's like you need to take time for yourself. You need to do all this stuff. But they really just mean take time for yourself so you can like bullshit and not do anything worthwhile. Right. <laughs> which, is, which is dumb. It's useless. It's pointless. That's that's what you would still call it. It's still wasting time, right? That's not actually investing time. Investing time is something that improves your ability to like improve the organ. Like if you think about investing into a company, right? You're providing it with more resources, strengthening it, 
so that it can be better at accomplishing its mission. And that's what investing in yourself also is. Investing in yourself is not wasting time and resting. And there's, there's needs for resting. Wasting time and resting are not equivalent. They're not synonymous for sure. Um, but the, the way that we rest, especially when you talk about recreation, um, and the way that we rejuvenate ourselves, right, is not just laying on the couch, eating snacks and binge watching Netflix, right? It's not just going out and drinking and clubbing and hanging out with friends who are not good for you at all. Um, that's not what rest is. <laughs> and it's that's for damn sure not investing in yourself. And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today is like, what does it look like to invest into yourself? And so my favorite analogy that I've ever heard of this comes from a great book that I highly recommend called the seven habits of highly effective people. If you're big into like personal development books, you've a thousand percent heard of that book. If you're not, then you probably haven't. Um, but I encourage you to read it if you haven't yet. It's kind of, it's a little bit longer, especially for like a personal growth book, but it's one of the OGs. This is one of the OG, like let's help people get better at life books. So love that. Um, and there's some great habits all throughout it, but the seventh habit is sharpen the saw. So I'm going to do a little spoiler here for you on the seventh habit. The seventh habit is sharpen the saw. And so he gives this analogy, right? Uh, Stephen Covey is the author's name. He's, he's like, imagine you come up on somebody in a forest and, or just in a neighborhood and they're trying to saw down a tree, right? And they're sawing away and they're giving it all they've got, right? Like they're going to town on this freaking thing. And you look and you see like, wow, that saw is really effing dull, right? Like it's like not sharp at all. And so they're just struggling away. And it's like, dude, you look down on the ground and there's like a saw sharpener, right? Like there's the ability to actually sharpen the saw. And you say to them, you know, hey, man, why don't you just sharpen that saw? It'd be a lot easier for you to do that. And they're like, bro, I would, but I just have no time. I have to get this tree cut down. I'm going to work. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't have time to stop and sharpen it. And Stephen Covey's point is that that's how a lot of us approach life, right? We, we complain about all the woes and issues and problems that we have. But when people are like, wait, why don't you take time to like better yourself, right? And so this is one of the, the world versus what I think is the church's definitions, like differences in bettering yourself is it bettering yourself in the world sense is really just like feeding into your own desires. It's really making yourself worse, right? It, it's just feeding into vice, feeding into your own desires, only being selfish, um, indulging yourself in everything you desire. But the church teaches us that bettering yourself is growing closer to God on, in a, on a simple level right? Removing the things to keep you away from God and adding the things to help you go closer to him, including people, habits, relationships, right? Environments. And so that's how a lot of us approach life. And so you see these people, I, like I was just ranting after marriage prep to Emily the other night. Uh, we were talking about, you know, the, just a lot of things in life. And, and the one thing that like seeking excellence that when you hear me get worked up, why I get so passionate about this sometimes is that I just, I've witnessed a lot of people who are struggling in life. I was raised in an environment where there was a lot of struggle. And I see, I have friends and family members and stuff now who just are in miserable relationships, financially a mess, spiritually a mess, mental health is a wreck, you know, like all these different things, uh, jobs and careers that are just, they hate. And I just, I, I always, you know, stick with this. And I, I told her, it's like kind of a, a ranger school saying that people like your ranger instructors would tell you this all the time. They'd be like, dude, ranger school is simple. It's not easy, but it's very, very simple. And that's how I feel about life. 
you know, like that's, that's the saw analogy, right? If you walk up with somebody and this dumbass was like, no, I don't have time to sharpen the saw. And it's like, dude, you'd be a lot faster if you stopped and, and sharpened it. Right. Well, the army also has this great saying that says slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So it's like, it might be worth it to take time and slow down than to continue to haphazardly go through something and then just be a wreck and cause yourself to take even longer than you would have if you'd slowed down in the first place. And that's literally how most people approach life, right? So uh, we'll get more into the financial stuff in a bit, but I just want to think about, I want you to think about, you know, like what are the things you're doing to invest in yourself, investing your time and investing, you know, Grant Cardone talks a lot about this. I'll talk more about him with the financial stuff, but He's like, he, he doesn't even think you should be investing money as heavily as a lot of people recommend. Cause he's like, you should just be investing yourself, investing you to grow more skills, to get more knowledgeable, taking courses, right? Learning. And there's definitely a lot of value to that. Luckily today in today's world, we don't have to spend as much money to do that. Thanks to YouTube and all kinds of things, masterclass. But we do have to recognize in our lives, like where's your greatest pain point, right? Like where's your greatest stressor? And so for, I'll just take my life for example. I don't think this is necessarily true, but let's say my job as a salesman was my, um, you know, I work in sales and let's say that that was my most stressful arena of my life. Taking time to invest myself to sharpen the saw would mean that during, maybe during the workday, which I've done, you know, uh, listening to sales podcasts, if I go on a walk midday or reading books about sales, or um, I just signed up for a masterclass so I could take the masterclass on sales. Like that kind of stuff, if it's something that stresses me out, then I need to invest in myself in those areas to strengthen and develop the skills and the ability to handle whatever responsibilities lay in front of me, right? So it's the same way when you think about, the easiest way to think about this is your spiritual life. So investing in yourself spiritually. Well, you go to the gym five days a week. You can't make it to one daily mass. You can't squeeze it in on a Saturday to go to confession. You can't read one spiritual book a month or every other month or something like that to really feed yourself. You can't spend 15, 20 minutes in prayer. Listen, I know when you were in college, you were like me. And I wasn't, this was something I even detested in college, honestly. But you might've been like every other college student in America or 90% of them that says, I don't have time. I don't have time. And and you know, just like I know, like you saying you don't have time to do the important things in life is the same as that dude trying to cut down the tree saying he doesn't have time to sharpen the saw. Because nothing you do is worthwhile if you suck. That's that that should just be the podcast. That should just be the podcast. If you don't take time to develop yourself, then you're going to suck at everything you do. And then it's not worth doing anyways. Right. Like (laughs) it's just going to be trash. And it's like, who wants to just be trash forever? Not me. I know that I don't want to be trash forever. And so I have certain areas where I suck at now, but you have to like invest in yourself to grow in those areas so that you can be worthwhile. So what's a really good practical example of this? This is good. This is a good one. So when I used to go home, I realized and this, I learned this in college. This is one of my favorite life lessons. And this, this will come up again on uh, boundaries podcast. We're going to do in the future. I don't even read the book boundaries. It's kind of relationship time stuff, but really, really good. But this is one of my favorite life lessons that I learned when I was a college student, I would go home from college and I would have family members who would want to see me a ton. Right now at the same time in my life, I was also an ROTC. I was also a student, obviously. And I'm talking like Christmas break, fall break, that kind of stuff, right? And I was having like a massive conversion of heart, right? So my relationship with God was really important, had a really, really strong prayer life. Um, 
and uh was going to daily mass like four i was going to daily mass like three times a week and then on mass on sundays and so i'd go home and i'd have all these family members who wanted to see me complain about me being gone complain about seeing me because i didn't have a family where a lot of people went away for college and i was only an hour away but i still think i was the furthest for college that graduated on both sides of my family except for one that i can think of off the top of my head so so yeah so that's kind of the context right but there was one time where I came home and uh, had a family member. I won't, I won't dog anybody, but this was really funny. And I saw this person like five times in a week. Right. And I was like doing everything, trying to please everybody else. And I was like, man, like I'm going to, uh, you know, just spend time with people. I'm going to, I just kind of neglected going to daily mass. I was getting breakfast with people. Uh, wasn't praying as much. I stopped working out. Right. Like I just, I just completely gave myself up for others. Um, which is something that I saw a lot of people, especially women in my life, you know, do when I was growing up. And so just kind of mirroring behavior. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to spend as much time as I can with other people. And then I started to notice like throughout the week, I was getting like anxious and angry and impatient and all this kind of stuff. Right. And so I kind of learned at the end of that week, I had this conversation with this person I'd seen like four or five times. And they said to me, you know, I, I feel like I haven't seen you all week. The whole time you've been home, we haven't gotten to spend time together. And I, like, when I tell you my jaw hit the floor <laughs> and I could have flipped the table, you know, I'm like, I have given up everything that is important to me to spend time with people this week, especially you. And you're telling me that we didn't spend any time together. And so what I learned in that moment was a couple things. But one is that some people are never going to have enough of your time. And that's just a fact of life, right? So this is why I talk sometimes at Seeking Essence. I say that we have to be able and willing to disappoint some people. And part of that is a whole nother podcast in and of itself. But one of my favorite lines that I came up with during this phase of my life was that some people want what's best for you, but don't know what's best for you. And selfishly, a lot of people think that you spending time with them is what's best for you. <laughs> and it's not. And not just what's best for you, but what's best for your family or your future family or your future spouse or your future children or your future you, or your future mission and purpose in life, right? So if I'm called to be, uh, you know, leading Seeking Excellence, then I have certain responsibilities in order to actually live that lifestyle out. And it's not necessarily selfish of me to not just spend all my money on other people, or to spend all my time with other people and get fat and out of shape, um, and to indulge in everybody's desires to feed me desserts and all that stuff like that. Like, I, then I'm not going to be the excellence guy and I can't go and, and create this movement and to spread this philosophy throughout the world, which is a greater responsibility in my opinion, in my discernment than me pleasing my aunts or whoever want me to eat this, this cake when I come home or my grandparents or my friend's grandparents or whoever it might be. I have responsibilities to a lot of people and sometimes your responsibilities will conflict. And so you need to determine which ones are my greatest ones, Right. And so that was one thing that I learned. The other thing that I learned in that time home, that week home, was I'm a better version of myself when I do these other things. And then when I go and spend time with people, they get to spend time with the great Nathan, the great version of Nathan, the good version of Nathan, whatever you want to call it. I'm not trying to be prideful there. I just came out. But I mean, like the, the good version of you and a bad version of you, right? Like when you do those things, right, when I would wake up and, and go to daily mass and then work out. And so what I started doing was like blocking my days before noon. And I would read, pray and work out. And then I'd go spend time with people. 
And I was joyful. I was patient. I was happy. I was, you know, present in the moment. I wasn't, you know, mad at myself for not doing the things I'd committed to. I was literally filled with grace for my prayer and mass and stuff like that. I felt stronger and more mentally tough and resilient for working out. I knew I was handling my responsibilities and like honoring my commitment to those I was leading in ROTC. And so it just changed the game. And I was like, wow, it, in my opinion, it's better for people to spend one hour with a peaceful, relaxed, mission-focused Nathan than it is for them to spend four hours with a slothful, gluttonous, you know, self-resenting uh, Nathan. And so that's what it means to invest in yourself. And it's, you don't just invest in yourself for yourself, just like you shouldn't financially invest your money just for yourself, right? Like, I don't think that that's right. And we'll talk more about that in the future, but you shouldn't just invest or, or focus on your career or whatever it is. Like nothing we do as Christians should be specifically for ourselves, but we invest in ourselves for the sake of being better tools in the lives of other people, more effective in other people, right? And, and so I've seen a lot of people throughout my life who don't do that and they just constantly give like I did that week and they just give it themselves, gives it themselves. And it's like, you can look and there's no fruit in their relationships with other people. Right. Like I, I've talked about this sometimes in like relationship stuff and friendships and things like that, where you spend a lot of time with people who just aren't good for you, but you love them and you care for them and you're patient with them and you're becoming more like them than they are like you. Right. You, you've been friends with this person for five years. They've never come to mass. And somehow you think that you're like, oh, I'm working on them. And it's like, dude, you're not doing anything like <laughs> you've never had a faith conversation. You think that just by your you think you're so holy that just by your example, no words like you're, you're changing their life and you're loving. Them. I'm the only person they have. Well, sometimes people need that to be gone for them to recognize, like, I need to change. Something needs to go. Right. Something needs to give. And so I never wanted to be one of those people who just constantly poured into things that had no fruit. Right. I mean, after all, like like Jesus himself said, you would know a tree by its fruit. If there's no fruit coming from the relationships in your life, in your life and in theirs and or in theirs, then there's no, then it's not, it's not good. Right. And that's where I found myself that week. And it happened more than just that one week, but these were the lessons that I kind of learned in that last one that really hit me. And I was like, man, when I'm grinding and I'm working now, when I, then when I go home, you know, I have these great conversations with my cousins and my family member because I'm, I'm on fire, right? I come home and I'm on fire and I can like make a difference and I can be impactful. Right. And I can share wisdom and I can my example is, is, is zealous and contagious because I'm so determined. And they realize like, wow, even when you travel, you're going to mass. Even when you go home, you're still trying to work out and go on runs and do it. That's inspiring. Doing it when you're away is, is not inspiring. You, you're not even, that means when you come around people, you're not even living the life that you think you're trying to attract them to. Right? Whenever you get to the point where people are actually detracting from you seeking excellence in your life, then you're not even calling them up to excellence because they're not even seeing excellence in you because even though you might be doing all those things when you're gone, they don't get to see it. And so that's why if people aren't starting to come with you to the gym, they're not starting to come with you to mass or at least have those good spiritual conversations, right? They're not changing their ways in some, in some I mean, you've got to at least be getting inches. Then what's the point? There's so, this is how I always viewed it, right? And I had to have some difficult conversations in the sermon in my life you know, I, I've, of, I, I've often prayed with the, you know, um, gospel passage where Jesus says, a prophet is welcome everywhere, but in his hometown. 
And I think in this last year of my life, um, and, and this is not me referring to myself as a prophet because I am far from that, but just I think that that principle goes further than that, right? I think there's a lot of people who are successful in life, have successful messages or philosophies or even companies and businesses that have to leave their hometown in order to do it. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. But I had to think about that in my life. So I was like, I have a lot of siblings, nieces and nephews, friends who I think I could really impact if I stayed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. But I was like, I could affect maybe 10% of the people here because I felt like a lot of those people didn't want to change and weren't open to not living just the typical Harrisburg lifestyle, which to me is wild mediocrity. And, or I could leave and, and make an impact on a lot of people out there in the world. And that was kind of my experience in college. You know, like I'd come home and try to share the same messages I was sharing in talks and Bible studying stuff in college and just wasn't received. And I don't fault those people. They saw me live a very ratchet lifestyle. They saw me do a lot of things that I do not condone now. I encourage them to do a lot of things that I don't condone now. A lot of them are still doing things that I encourage them to do that I don't condone now, right? So I understand it for a lot of people, but I had to make that decision to say, okay, Lord, the, 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 the bottom of it was, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. If you want me to go back home and serve my family and try to live this life there, I will, but I know it's really difficult for me to do it when I'm there. I have these short sample sizes of Christmas break, you know, fall break, spring break, whatever. I'd usually be gone for a couple months in the summer for training, but I was like, it's really hard to live this lifestyle there. And so I just felt like it was, it was in that discernment where he was like, I never want you to live here again. <laughs> Homie, you can't do it here. You've proven that. Um, I already knew that, but we got to get you out there in the world. And so that's where we're at. And that's why we have people listening. I just saw uh, um, on Anchor the other day on the podcast that we now have like a full, obviously this is very small, but we have like a full 1% listening in the, in the UK and in, uh, in Australia now, which is pretty fun. And so it's like, man, you know, I could have stayed and, and been quiet and just tried to live a quiet life and, and be an example to people, but I truly don't think it would have worked. Some people do that and they're successful. You got to discern your own life. But one thing I do know you have to do is even in your service to other people, you know, Mother Teresa is a great example of this. Um, I probably shared this story before, but, you know, she used to pray a holy hour with the sisters that were there serving with her in Calcutta. And uh, and this is just a story I've heard. She didn't tell me. So uh, take take it with a grain of salt. But the principles there, and I'm sure this is how she lived her life. And they had so much to do. They were like, sister, we have so much work to do. We really think we might need to cut the holy hour down from an hour to like 30 minutes. And she said, no, you're right. We do have we do have so much to do. We're like overwhelmed with how much work, how many people to serve. She's like, so we actually should start praying two hours a day. Because she knew if she wasn't connected, if she wasn't rooted, that you can't go out and serve. She's like, my service is worthless if I'm not rooted in him. And, and don't be so prideful to think that you can just do everything on your own. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I'm telling you that it's this selflessness. It's, it's selflessness. And I say that with, with, with air quotes, selflessness covering pride. When you think that you can just go out and give the world you with no need for development, change or growth or grace. And that you're going to go out and change lives all on your own. It's not going to happen. So stop trying to force it. Start to invest in yourself, reading, praying and working out. Start to pursue excellence in your life and you'll be contagious and actually be able to be the type of person who's going to be a change agent in other people's lives. And it might be 
tens of thousands of other people's lives. You don't know what God might be calling you to and how he might use your commitment to him, your commitment to pursuing the good and to seeking excellence in your life to transform the lives of other people. So go out, fight hard, be your best.